So, welcome to... Sorry, I said it again. Welcome to... Hello, and welcome to those Vicar blokes. That's two weeks in a row I messed up. Yeah. Never yeah, mind. Yeah, never mind. We'll let right. you off the service, just the way you are. Yeah, right, yeah. So, I'm Howell the Nerdy Vicar. And I'm Dave Coaches. And we're those Vicar blokes. So, Dave, have you been up to anything fun this week? I This morning, I went to... Um, well, I was at church, and the school, Manor oh, School, were, came in. Fun in church? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. And and they did their harvest service, you know. So oh, that's nice. I had to do the welcome and prayer and the and the and the a bit of a, a mini sermon. Was there any a homilet? Homilet. Homilet. Of course, it was. It was excellent. All oh, right. Um, okay. And yeah, so it's good. It's nice to have. It's nice to have the. So if you were at this service in uh, Colbert Heath, right, and you thought Dave was great, put it in the comments. I forgot to advertise this while I was there. I could have done that in the homilet spot. Yeah, and it, but if you think it's rubbish, right, and you thought you was rubbish, please put it in the comments. We'd love to hear that. No, That'd you'd love to hear that. Yeah, it'd be good, my, wouldn't it? My ego's too fragile for that. <laughs> So it was good then, was it? Yeah, it was good. That was good. And I've obviously spent most of the week watching um, Big Brother. Oh. Uh, now that's back on. And do you know what? It's on during the night as well. If you go to ITVX, you can watch them sleeping and everything. Oh, that's so, that's so, that's so 20 years ago. I know. It's more than 20 years ago. I wasn't even married when Big Brother came out. 14th of July, 2000. Was it? Yeah. Oh, anyway, I wasn't even I married. remember watching the first episode. Oh. I remember where I was and what I had for tea. Oh, man, it's so bad. I watched the first two seasons. I watched it after that Nasty Nick thing. That was the first year, Nasty yeah. Nick, yeah. I think I watched the second one. I watched the third one then. The third one was good. Kate Lawler and Alex and Jay Goody. Yeah, Yeah, I watched a bit of that. That was good. That was a good series. I I didn't watch it after The fourth series was really boring. People were dull. Uh, They all got on far too well. And I watched that one. Who's that girl? Who is she and all that? Uh, That was Nikki. That's it. I watched that one. Five or six, I think. I don't know. But I didn't watch him any after that, really. Yeah, but but no, but they were going for people who were... um, over the top. Over the top all the time, yeah. Ah, and so then that's yeah. what made it less interesting. But you'll remember, I lived in the Big Brother house for three years. So I lived in community. Yeah. So I used to joke in the in the monastery that um, it, living in a monastery is, is like living in community. It's like the Big Brother house, but without the cameras. And yeah. there used to be these smoke detectors in the, in the, in the ceiling. We say, look, it's the Big Brother cam. So it is. I, 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 I think the reason I stopped watching it is because... It just became too familiar. Yeah. Because it was just like living in community. Yeah, and I wonder whether or not now is a bit nostalgia. Well, yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Anyway. Anyway. Enough about what I've wasted my week doing. What have you been up to? I've been watching the rugby. It's been great. Yeah, I've watched loads of rugby over the last... I watched three matches uh, last Saturday. Well, two and a half, because I wasn't allowed to watch three matches. So I watched two and a half. So I watched that. I only watched half the England game. So I've been watching the rugby. So I'm Did getting... England win? Yeah, just about. Yeah, yeah so you got about. you didn't want to watch that? Well, they, they you... almost lost against Samoa. England are not doing well at all. Oh. It's not doing well at all. No. Wales are doing better than they were, so that's good. But the ones I've really enjoyed have been like uh, Ireland's games. They've been excellent. And the one I really loved was uh, last Sunday was um, Portugal versus uh, Georgia. All right. It was brilliant. It was absolutely Good. amazing. Yeah. It was Portugal won, and it was the first uh, Portugal versus Fiji. Sorry, Portugal versus was it? No, no, Georgia. Sorry, yeah. Georgia. I don't know. I didn't watch it. Yeah, Portugal versus Georgia, and um, they they won, and it, it was amazing. 
Good. It was absolutely, yeah. So I like the underdogs, so I've enjoyed that. Yeah, watch so much rugby, I can't keep track. Yeah. Uh, anyway, a warning. We better not waffle too long. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Because yeah. as mentioned last week, we record the introduction after we record the rest <laughs> of the show. So we have two long parts coming up. Um, you, you might enjoy them because we don't necessarily agree with each other on either of them, I don't think. No, we don't. They're no. quite controversial. Um, <laughs> no. And then we've got a short bit on the telly. Um, we so agreed on the telly. We bit. agreed on the telly. We said yeah, it was rubbish. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So ready yourselves for the music. That was the first time we've actually agreed on the telly. Ready yourselves for, for the, the music. music. All right. So, and Dave, I don't have to ask what's been in the news this week because I don't watch the news and even I know what's in the news this week. Do you? You've been paying attention? Well, not a little. Yeah, a bit. Yeah, because it's been like a big thing. And I'm not on about the Labour Party conference either. I was trying to avoid that at, at all costs. Has the Labour, Labour Party conference been on? Well, I assume so because I have seen them at the, in the conference building when they've been interviewed oh, about something else. I did else see like, the bit so. where, um, where Keir Starmer got glittered actually on the news. I did see that. What was that about? Anyway, I didn't realise. Well, it was just stop oil. Or it something, was a just it? stop oil protest. Yeah, um, yeah. And uh, if they come near so the world cup, they poured all this gold glitter over. If they come near the gold, the, the world cup, I'm gonna have them. The just stop oil lot. I tell you, that's going too far. That is. Anyway, yeah. So you've seen that. So what is so the news? That. What so, is the news? So the big news is that um, Hamas has attacked um, Gaza, basically. Um, well, Israel. Isn't Israel, it? yeah, but but particular region they've started with, as they all do, um, and uh, and it's probably too hot a topic for us to talk about um, because we don't really know enough about it. Yeah, yeah, that's what we. I think it's not that uh, it's too hot a topic because the other one we picked is quite hot. Yeah, uh, I know, but we know <laughs> slightly more about it. Um, we we yeah. had a, a, a pre chat in your kitchen, didn't we? Which we don't often do. But, but about the the Israel Gaza um, Hamas situation, um, and realised that there are some podcasts out there that that address this um, fairly well. Um, yeah, the rest is politics. Um, Rory Stewart explains the history, but if you cross reference that to other sources, it doesn't necessarily all tie in. Yeah, um, and um, more tea vicar, which are our competitors down at. Um, I oh, know our, our brothers in Christ down at Bishopston <laughs> and St Andrews. All right. Um, in their more T Vicar podcast, um, they talk about the theological implications of it, um, but they basically repeat what we had in our exile part um, a, a week or two, a couple ago. of weeks ago. Yeah, so, yeah, um, yeah. So they they basically say it's about losing your identity, your home, and how destabilizing that is. And I thought, oh. They've obviously listened to our podcast and regurgitated it under a new heading. Or maybe they're just Christians who. Uh, but, you, do you think? Yeah, well, it yeah, it that. could be that. It might be yeah. that they could take the same take as us on. Yeah, it could yeah, be. Yeah, get there from a different source. That is very true. Yeah. Um, so basically, I think like, I studied uh, Arab Israeli conflict in school uh, for GCSE history. Um, I've tried to make sense of it over the years. And sometimes I think that. Um, being honest and saying I don't know enough about that to comment 
I think is probably the best way to yeah. go. Yeah, I think so. Because I don't think there's many people who do understand what's going on, really. And I think in both ways, I did say But this. we're not in a position to give them any more understanding. No, no, no. No, no. I think there's the only thing I'd say is that um, people who understand it in the West understand it in the abstract. Well, I think for people who live there, it's an embodied reality. Yeah. And that's the other reason why I don't really want to say about it, because for me, it's not an embodied reality, is it? No. So, no, it's just something that's happening over there. Yeah. That I can choose to look or I can choose not to look. Exactly. It's, I think we're we're compelled to choose to look, but sometimes it takes a while to look at it before we realise what we're looking at and, and what it's all about. Yeah. We don't have skin in the game. No. So what's the other thing that's been in the news this weekend, Dave? Well, the other thing, <laughs> uh, and it's a bit more niche news, to be fair, a bit more Church of England news, is that um, the House of Bishops have met and have decided that they will commend the prayers of um, love and faith, uh, which which for, for our listeners who haven't heard of them, they are um, prayers of blessing for um, homosexual marriages is it so if you get a, well if you get a civil marriage or a civil partnership it's prayers of blessing that go alongside that something like that yeah, yeah. it isn't actually very clear what they what they are no no it's not clear what they are um i and when it went to synod in february there were many of us that were hugely disappointed it wasn't a bigger step forward um, and that it was hugely de- delayed. Um, but there was also um, a large number of people who were very opposed to that um, because, in their view, homosexuality is anti-biblical. Yeah, but we haven't seen the um, the prayers yet. Have no, we? we haven't seen the prayers, no. Um, and, and in my mind, I was thinking, oh, I can't wait for them to come out and use them and be affirming of those... Uh, those couples that want them used and show them that irrespective of their sexuality that God loves them but the the idea that I don't actually know what the wording is to know whether it really does that or whether or not there's caveats written into the prayers themselves that I, I, I don't know that so I can't say even though I'm, I'm fully in favour of um I'm fully in favour of endorsing loving, caring, monogamous relationships, irrespective of sexuality. Um, I still would need to know that those that those prayers did that before I used them. And I don't know that they do that because I haven't seen them. Yeah, so to explain as well, uh, it's worth explaining how the Church of England and Anglicanism works for um, our listeners because... It's different to nearly every other Christian denomination, with the exception of, of the Orthodox Church. Do you want the theoretical or the practical approach to it? I like the theoretical approach to it. The theoretical approach is that um, your local church, your parish church, is governed by its parochial church council. That parochial church council will elect representatives onto deanery synod. No, no, not that, not that. No, 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 not that far back. No, no, I'm not that. too low. No, 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 you, you're on about governance now. What I mean is, do does the Church of England have uh, a confessional doctrine 
or does it have something else? Shall I explain with a the confessional? The Church of England has um, traditional formularies and creeds, and it runs based on those formularies and creeds, but it also has the 39 articles and the canons of which there are lots. And the Book of Common Prayer. And the Book of Common Prayer, So yeah. basically... But the Book of Common Prayer and the canons generally run pretty well in sync. Yeah. It was... So what that means, basically, in practical terms is, is that if you're a Catholic, right, you have specific doctrines that you, you say yes to in being a Catholic, yeah. right? If you are a uh, other confessing church or Baptist, whatever those other churches are, you know, certain types of Pentecostals, all those ones, they will have certain doctrines that to join that denomination, uh, United Reformed Church, that you then uh, assent to, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's why Catholics have a catechism, other churches have a catechism, other things have that. And what the Church of England did, right, in order to stop a revolution, which has been very successful in doing, right, is they created uh, the Book of Common Prayer, the third version of it, right? Yeah. Yeah, in 1662. And because we don't have doctrines, we have the prayer book, and the canons, uh, we have the prayer book and the creeds, basically, you can have two people who believe quite different things in the same building, at the same service, using the same prayers. And that's the same as well the Orthodox do it, because it's not about what we believe in the sense of what we assent to, it's about how we pray. That's the essence of being Anglican, isn't it? Yeah. 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 There we go. Yeah, and that is what allows us to have that massive um, doctrinal difference. Yeah. You know? um, that's why the, the Anglican Church is so broad in its view. Um, it's because those things are not considered wrong. Um, but, yeah. But we, but we often fall into two camps on most issues. Sometimes there are issues that cross camp, but, um, yeah. but usually we'll, we'll fall into two camps on... On, on an issue. Yeah, they do, yeah. Because um, we fall into the secular trap of thinking we have to pick a side for everything. Ah, now that's the, that's the interesting thing, isn't it? Is that the idea that there is one way of thinking, that is the correct way of thinking, and everybody's got to think that, that isn't a Christian way of doing it, is it? That's a secular way of doing it. That's, a, that's an 18th century idea. Yeah, yeah, but but one that we've been dragged into. We've been dragged uh, into as, it as the Anglican. So the idea that Christians are these kind of intra, you know, intractable people who believe these things because they're right and they're really narrow-minded and this is and there's one right answer. That isn't that isn't part of that's the that's the enlightenment. No. And actually, there's that's a, the enlightenment. There's a an organisation within the Church of England that's rebuking that idea at the moment is it yeah because what they were what the um cec what do they stand for church of england evangelical council all right okay Um, so it's a little subsection there all right a little subsection of of the church of england like the people's club together because they're evangelicals um well there's they've made statements sweeping statements that 
all evangelicals believe that these uh, prayers are wrong and that, oh, okay, that right, homosexuality yeah. is a sin and all the rest of it. Okay, right. And lots of them do believe that, but then there, there's a group that's now set up called Inclusive Evangelicals. All oh, right. Um, which are saying, well, no, actually, we we believe your interpretation is wrong, right? Um, and fundamentally flawed and unchristlike. Oh. And our primary objective as Christians is to be Christ-like, supported by that of Scripture. So I quite agree with their statements, to be fair, the in- inclusive evangelicals. Do you agree with the Judean People's Front, the People's Front, the Judea, or the Judean Popular People's Front? Oh, I'm not, no, I'm not sure which one's what. You know? um, All right. What I'd like to do is, is to look at each individual circumstance as it comes up and decide what the Spirit leads me to be right and wrong, supported by Scripture, because okay. that's the way that it should be. I think I think what we should say to people why there's all this fuss about the prayers, right? As well, is because Anglicans don't have doctrines in the same way Ang- uh, Catholics do. We don't have like a catechism or something no. like that, right? Um, and we don't have like dogmas, and we don't have like papal bulls and things like that, or infallible statements. Or in the case of like on the other side, where you'll have a church to say. In this church, we believe that the Bible is the inerrant word of God or what those sorts of statements. Yeah. We don't have those sorts of things. What we have are prayers that everybody in the church has to say amen to. That's yeah. the idea. So basically, the prayers are the doctrines. That's how it works. Yeah. So Which is interesting, isn't it? Because then it leads us into the fact that those who are most opposed to these prayers are also those that don't use the prayers that are authorised in the scriptures that we, that, in the prayers that we supposedly use. Yeah. I, mean, our, well, I mean, we use two two forms of authorised worship, right? Yeah. We use the 1662 Book of Common Prayer yeah. as authorised, or we use what you call comic worship. Comic worship, yeah. Comic worship, but it's really called common worship. Common worship, yeah. It was authorised as the latest edition in 2000. That's it. That has supplementary materials that go along with it. And you can get your all way, all the way through all of our liturgical services without deviating from those places. Yeah, that's right. But the people who were most opposed to these prayers being released were those that barely ever open the books that tell you what the authorised liturgies are. I think that's, I think that's um, probably about right, yeah. Yeah, I thought you were going to disagree with it. No, 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 no. Um, I think it is funny that... Um, if we've got any listeners who are, who are, who are <laughs> really opposed to these prayers, um, but that are leading churches that use authorised liturgy, I'd love to hear from you because I don't think you exist. Oh, I think they do. No, I think, no, I think, I think they, they do. do. No, I, I know they do. Do you? Yeah, you I know, know of some. I know of who, yeah. 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 I've not met those people. Yeah. I've only met people that, well, they don't use any authorised liturgy. They might just about manage the Lord's Prayer, if you're lucky, um, without changing the words. As long as it's in the modern form. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think the thing is with it, though, is the, probably the reason why I'm Anglican, right? If I'm, and Because I'm a convert to Anglicanism, this is why I think of this, in a way, is I think it's genius that... Um, we have prayers like the prayer of humble access. Yeah. So we do not presume to come to this your table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, righteousness but, in your but for your manifold and great mercies, we are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table. But you are the same Lord whose property is always to have mercy. 
So let us eat the flesh of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, and drink his blood, that our sinful bodies may be saved by his body, and our souls washed by his most precious blood. And we only changed versions slightly. Yeah, it's because there's two versions. There's yeah. the common worship version, the BCP well, version, isn't there? Uh, yeah, well, there's a, there's a traditional language version of the, uh, that's of the, one the common I know. worship yeah, as that's well the one as I the know. BCP. But I think the, the point with that is, is what that prayer is genius, because you can believe in the real presence of Christ at the Eucharist, right? As yeah. I do, right? Yeah. Or you can believe it's purely memorial, as a lot of other people do, Right. And you can still be in the same church. And the, the when that was written, that prayer, the Europe was at war between Protestants and Catholics. Yeah, you know. And I think that the the genius of Anglicanism is that we can come up with things like that, whereby we can pray together, live together, be together, and respect each other. Even though we hold different views, yeah, but that and won't, I think there's not a lot of that going on. That is won't it? work for the prayers of love and faith, will it? Well, I haven't seen them yet, so no, I can't. You I can't seen tell. Them, but how on earth would you write a prayer that enables you to hold both viewpoints at the same time? It's, it is a very um, sin or not sin issue. Well, I'm none sure of that. us, none of us could use those prayers if we genuinely thought we were blessing sin. But. If you um, if you if you were around in the seventeenth century, you would have said, "How can you write a prayer that holds together people who believe in the real presence of Christ at the Eucharist, like the Anglo-Catholics and you know Protestants and the Puritans? How can you have a prayer where the Puritans and the High Church actually will both assent to?" And they managed it. They managed it, but, but when do we ever use the prayer of humble access? Well, I used to use it every week in my last patch. Yeah, well, you don't use it here. No, no, no. I we don't do it here. Yeah, well, um, we use it in uh, St. Peter's. We use it in St. Well, Peter's. Yeah, well, we used it 1662, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. granted. Yeah. Um, I mean, the trouble with the prayer of humble access, of course, is that it falls in the wrong place in, yeah, yeah, yeah. in common worship, yeah. or does it? Well, I mean, it's a different thing. I mean, thing. the thing is... That's a nerd question. Well, it is a nerd question. No, no, we're not. We're having it, no. Oh. The, the thing is that the, the debate between where the prayer of humble access goes is an important one. <laughs> but if you make your confession right at the start of your service, like we do, yeah. so as we're worthy to be in God's presence and in his house, yeah. that's a different thing to realising through the power of the sermon and the readings yeah. that actually you've still been living in sin. Yeah. And 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 as much as I agree that the absolution holds from the past, it's almost a reaffirmation of the recognition that you're a sinful person. Um Yeah. Just but, immediately before but, you, you receive all right, whatever you, the presence of the body of Christ is. All like right, you there's, about, it. there's about three people who are concerned about that, me not being one of them. But I think yeah, the thing is with it, nerd, right? Okay, so nerd, <laughs> well, I'm a liturgical nerd. nerd, that's the thing. Nerd, nerd, nerd. Right, but I think the point I'm trying to make really is that the prayers are important when they're published because the prayers are the thing which is that holds our doctrines, and that's why people are really concerned about them, which I think is legitimate, right? Because that's why it's so important. And I think as well, the other tradition we've had in Anglicanism is that one of. Um, holding different ideas together 
And I think that that's something that's always been part of who we are. And I think that we're kind of losing that because I think we're losing it as a society. And I think one of the reasons why England has been the way it's been, where we haven't had like six revolutions in 200 years like the French have had, is because we've had this idea of we are better together. And I think that there's so much division and divisiveness in our society now because we've ditched this Christian model of living together in difference and picked up this enlightenment model of we're better than you, you're wrong, we're right, you're the bad guys, you're the good guys. And it and it spirals out of control. And I think there's, there's you know, I, I do think that's not, I think the question people are asking with these prayers sometimes is how do I show that we are part of the good guys rather than... So in reality, then, Mm. what we needed at the February Synod was the prayers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that way, people could decide whether or not they were good, bad, or indifferent. Yeah. Um, Because we can't... We're asked to make a decision on something or to think about something, which we can't because we don't know what it is. So is that the stage that we're at now, is that the bishops have actually agreed what the wording of these prayers is? I think it is, yeah. And that we're going to see that at Synod next month. Yeah, I think that's where they're at. And then we can then understand... So anybody who's saying that that they're opposed to them already without having seen them is really opposed to an ideology, aren't they? Yeah, I think And anybody who's absolutely sure they will use them is also in favour of an ideology because we have to see it to know whether or not we'd use it. Yeah, I I think we don't know what they say. I mean, I... Because we don't know what our doctrine is until we know what the prayers are. Recently, who say, um, I'm not comfortable being at church at the moment because I can't join the Amen at the Creed or I can't, I can't subscribe to all of what the, what the creed says. Mm. Uh, and, and, and my encouragement to them is to, to be there, to allow that to, to grow in them. And hopefully at some point, um, something will, will trigger their faith enough to be able to, to say that. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a position that we're, we're allowed to take with Anglicanism. It wouldn't, we wouldn't meet the threshold of membership of other churches. Exactly. That's the point. That's the whole point. But I think, uh, I think so. Basically, I can't, it's awful this because you've got the Israel Palestine thing. And with this, is that we, we don't know. So we, because we don't know what they're going to say. No. Um, but I would say, uh, the one thing I would say, and I think this is really important, the, the thing that really frustrates me about this whole issue is we've always got to argue things from Christian Christian principles. So what we need to do is argue for equal marriage from Christian principles, from the Bible, from Christian tradition, from reason, right? Yeah, and I think... And I don't think there's a lot of that going on. No, I don't necessarily agree. You've not been following the campaign for equal marriage. I have, I have, I have, yeah, I have. Fundamentally, what they're doing is an an exposition of the scriptures in an authentic and genuine way. They're not trying to twist anything to their argument. I don't think they are, but what I mean is... But what they have done is taken the scriptures used by the other side of the argument 
and, and actually done what we've done through the bus trip yeah um is to put them into the context into which I, they were written i think that's certainly true i think that's certainly true but i think that there's a lot so a lot of rhetoric about things like oh we have to do this in order to be taken seriously by secular society no i don't think they make that claim i think they no no that. i think that is the opposite side of the argument throw that as as a as an accusation but i think it's an unfounded no accusation. i think that is definitely i have the case. absolutely never seen or heard anybody make the argument that we have to do it to be taken seriously by secular society the only place that has ever come up was from um questions in the house of commons to the I forget his name and his title, in fact, but he's the guy who is the go-between between, oh, between church, church and state. Um, but it wasn't him that asked it. It was it was a member in the house in a very not very well attended debate on it. I'll send you. I'll I'll send you the stuff that's from before. But I've seen lots of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I've never seen it. Well, that's interesting. That. You see, because you're deeply in this sort of thing, aren't you? Right. Yeah. Well, I'm kind of in it in a slightly different way. Right. And. It's it's really fascinating that that is the type of thing that I I have actually picked up on and you haven't and I think this is the thing is what we have to do all the time is be the people who are being the true arguing from Christian principles coming from the Bible coming from um, tradition and coming from reason. And I think we've successfully done that. See, you rule out the advocate in your summary. Well, like a Christian a, tradition is is the no, advocate. No, 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 no. Christian tradition is the is is the is the Holy Spirit. No. Yes, it is. That's how you discern. Fundamentally, what not. Yeah, it is. No, you have ruled out the Holy Spirit working in individuals' lives. It's not Explain about tradition. That. He calls himself an Anglo-Catholic, right? Okay, okay, yeah, all right. When we are baptised, when we are confirmed, yeah. prayers are made for us to the Spirit to descend on us, as it did on Jesus at his baptism. Yeah. And if we don't believe that as individuals we are Spirit-led people, we have committed the biggest sin, according to the Bible, by sinning against the Holy Spirit. We have to believe that the Holy Spirit continues to work in people today as it did in people of the past. So we can't draw a line at, at uh, the Council of Nicaea in 325 and say, well, the Spirit stopped working now, so whatever we decided at that big Council in Nicaea is what stands and we'll stick with that and we'll never change. And if you only look to tradition without making your primary Christian principle following Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit, then essentially you're not a Christian. But what you've misunderstood there is what the essence of tradition is. You've fallen into the trap of thinking of tradition as something which is about the past. We're, what we Tradition is about past, present and future. So the church, the tradition of the church is today as much as it was yesterday as much as it was to tomorrow. I know, but that's the problem, because the argument that we're talking about says we mustn't deviate from the traditional view, 
but if the traditional view is past, present and future, mm. we've put a marker on it and said we're never going to change. And the reason that marker is put on is because people read the Bible like it's the Quran yeah. and make it a literal document with no movement. And they disregard the power of the Holy Spirit working in people today. But what so they, they deny the words of Jesus. But what they're doing is they're, den they're denying Christian tradition because Christian tradition isn't about the past. It's about past, present and future. Well, maybe, it's about but evolution. that's the argument that they're using. Well, that's, uh, that's not about Christian. This is the, Christian tradition is about, e and all tradition, tradition is about forward movement, not living in the past. This idea that tradition yeah, is about, about living in the past. That's about tradition as opposed to... No, it's about living in... Into the tradition. No, it's about living in a tradition as something which evolves into the future. Because all traditions, no matter what they are, evolve into the future. Yeah, that's but the your, essence of your tradition. statement made the Holy Spirit static. No, it didn't. Made I it, said, you killed it. No, I didn't. You I killed said, the Holy Spirit. I didn't. I said the tradition of the church, which is past, present and future. Yeah, and so that, how does the Holy Spirit fit into your statement? Because the Holy Spirit is the um, the power which enables us to evolve in the correct way. And how active is that in individuals? Well, it's active as a. It's not active in individuals. It's active as part of a community. No, I see. I fundamentally don't agree. Well, that's be because Christianity is a community religion, not about individuals. It's about us as a community coming no. together and no, discerning no, no, things no, together. No, no, no. You're still Roman Catholic. I'm not Roman Catholic. You're that's... still Roman Catholic. <laughs> the, I'm not. The that's... issue is that's the not. issue is that we fundamentally believe that the Holy Spirit works in individuals and is affirmed through Scripture and community. It has to exist outside of community, otherwise it ceases to exist when we're not in the presence of that community. No, because That's we like have to saying be... you're not a Christian when you're on holiday. No, because I'm still part of the Christian community. Wow, yeah, but you're not there, so you know it's not no, working. No, because the Christian community is outside of time and space, isn't it? So when I pray, I don't pray alone. I pray as part of the community, whether I like it or not. Granted, yeah, but but so you're but, not. But part the Holy of... Spirit can still work in you, yeah, outside of, of that community. Outside can't... of that community, we'll never agree on that because Dave's falling well, for all his enlightenment a, stuff. That's why I'm a better preacher than you. Yeah. It's mine is spirit driven, and yours aren't. Yeah, so Dave's Dave's uh, Dave's Protest in the Protestant is coming out by you. Uh, so I'm right. in a Protestant. I am uh, an Oxford Movement product. Right. Okay. Well, we'll we'll I'll I'll have to educate Dave on the essence of no, individualism you're later. No, spirit and salvation. That's what you're doing. No, I I I. You need to come on the on the sacraments course. Anyway, so that's half an hour on that. So we better move on to talk about something else. So we're going to talk Very about uh, Leviticus. Oh, uh, we're not going to fall out. Uh, you know. Uh, so we'll talk about Leviticus next. Thanks for watching those Vicar blogs. Um, I'm still watching. Watching. Oh, sorry. Thanks for listening to those Vicar blogs. Don't forget to subscribe and send it round to your mates. Uh, send it round, subscribe, have a look for it. And don't forget as well, we've got the Connection podcast 
and homilets, isn't it? Also homilia, homilia. That's it. Yeah, yeah homilia from uh, from the parish. And send us a comment. We've had some nice comments, haven't we, Dave? Yeah, we have. They've been better in the last few weeks, haven't they? Yeah, there'll be some lovely comments after this one. We we'll probably get some really dodgy. Yeah, comments, I'm not looking so... forward to the comments this week. Yeah, keep it keep it sensible in the comment section. Dave Coach's Bible Bus Trip. Right, so it's all the controversial stuff today. So we're going to talk about holiness and Leviticus. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> so it's a grasp in the nettle today, you know. So um, the first thing, this is towards the end of the bus trip now, I suppose, this idea of holiness. So what is the idea of holiness, Dave? What What is the essence of that? What is it on about? Well, that's a really good question, isn't it? Because holiness is quite a difficult one to understand. I mean, what's the difference between holiness and righteousness, for example? But holiness is about um, purity. Yeah. It's about... Um, Can we closer to your mic, Dave? What am I? Have I gone quiet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're thinking now. You are. That's the I thing. Retreat, you're thinking. You're going quiet. Backwards. No. So I left yeah. the chair back. Tonight yeah. In disgust at the last part. Right. Um, <laughs> so holiness is about being pure and unblemished. Yeah. And um, and putting yourself or. Putting yourself in the presence of um, things greater than your sum total. Yeah, I think I think what it's about really. I don't really know how I phrase that. It's about I think really what it's about is being separate. Yeah, and it's about separating things which are sacred and things which aren't sacred. Yeah, sacredness and profanity. Yeah. Right. So we had a good example of that earlier um, because my daughter got given a cup, didn't she? She did. Yeah. An abomination. It was an abomination. That's a really good word, actually. That cup was... Do you want to tell everybody why the cup that she was given for her birthday was an abomination, Dave? Because it was a cup intended for Bristol City fans. Oh, see, you had trouble saying that then, Bristol City fans, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I had to try and... Cleanse my palate um, of afterwards. Yeah, it's a bit like asking me to wear an England rugby shirt, really. Yeah. Isn't it? It's just not, it's just, just too far. And I think that's a really good way of understanding what. But I still drank from it. You did, yeah. Because I know that it, it wouldn't defile me. I would still be <laughs> pure gasset <laughs> at the end of the day. Yeah, that's right. It was, that's right, actually. But what holiness is, is about being separate and about boundaries. And we see that all the time in everyday life, particularly around sport and other things and around music and other stuff where people will identify as being part of a group which is separate from another group by doing sacred things. Yeah, so what does sacred things mean? Well, a a sacred thing would be the word gassed is a sacred word because it, 
it identifies a Bristol Rovers fan as a Bristol Rovers fan. So sacred acts, right, in Bristol Rovers would be the chance that you use, go into the sacred place, which is like the stadium. The Memorial Stadium. Stadium, yeah. right, yeah. Doing I the Ikea, really, because the spiritual heartland is still Eastgate, it, uh, Eastville. Exactly. So there's a lot. That's a really good example, actually, because in uh, Bristol Rovers, there's a lot of people stop being Bristol Rovers fans because they pull down the sacred cathedral, yeah. which which is now... which is now, um, We were sent into exile at Twerton Park in Bath for a good few years. Exactly. Before, before returning somewhere near to our spiritual home. But you rebuilt the temple. Well, we nicked it off the rugby club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a bit like me where I used to support, well, I still do, support Neath RFC, Neath Rugby Football Club. My grandfather supported that as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then they created this club called Ospreys, right? What is that? Where they put together Neath, Swansea and Bridgend and said, oh, you're all Ospreys now and now nobody goes to see them. Because yeah. it's a sacred thing, and so so the, these words that we have about sac about sacredness isn't to do really with Christianity, Islam. They're actually to do with uh, humanity. Humanity create their own sacred spaces in how they worship. Be that football, be that politics, be that all sorts of things. Um, yeah. Is that things become a sanctuary? Like people would say that House of Commons is a sacred place. Like I was watching a prank video last night where this um, uh, this guy uh, went into a Harvard le- uh, lecture theatre with a typewriter. It's right. quite funny just to wind up the lecturer. And he grabbed the typewriter this lecturer did and threw him out and he said, this place is sacred. And that guy looked like a massive atheist who hates, like, you know, just, you know what I mean, all yeah. that sort of thing. But he said, no, this is a sacred space. So human beings like drawing lines between sanctity and profanity. That's yeah. just how, and that's yeah. how we create community, right? That's just part of being human. Yeah, okay. Right? So that's why what we've tried to do sometimes in church is by saying church is just like everywhere else. There's no sacred space. Everyone can go anywhere they want. We want to be inclusive. We're not going to wear any sacred outfits or any of that. What we've done, we've actually gone against this human uh, way of being, and then it's it loses its meaning. Yeah. Because what happens then is that you end up then getting rid of the altar, getting rid of this, and having a band, and then the band becomes sacred. Wow, especially it, when I mean? they stick them right at the front and yeah. where the altar used to be. Exactly. Just so wrong. In the, but what, what I mean... And we all, instead of facing the altar and facing the cross, we end up facing the drummer. And you're like, what? But that's the thing. So, what are we you, saying? But what we've got there is we've got a different way of seeing sacredness. Do you see what I mean? So for, for some people, that would be a sacred event. For other people, it isn't. But the idea of sacredness is a human idea, which is a human universal. And it's actually a very familiar thing. Yeah. And it's always held together through rituals and yeah. purity things. So let's think about uh, birthdays, Dave. What do you do on a birthday in Western culture? You have a cake, you have candles, you have yeah. presents. 
Or what and, you do when and you, you have the... to suffer your family. Yeah. And what do you do when you blow the candles out? Oh, you make a wish. Yeah. Or what do you sing a secret song? Do you know what I wish for nowadays? What? That I got enough air in my lungs to get all these candles blown out <laughs> without turning blue. Yeah. But that's the thing. So that's a secret thing, isn't it? Yeah. Right. That that people understand. Yeah. That we do naturally. Okay. Yeah, but that's so it's food. It, but where's the place. boundary between sacred and tradition? And how does that relate to holiness? Oh well, that, that's the thing, isn't it? Is holiness is about creating a a space, right? Be whatever that sacred space is, which is orientated towards God and not orientated towards idolatry. So the danger in all these sacred space, the danger of the idea of sanctity, right, yeah. is it can very, very, very quickly be the worst thing about humanity rather than the best thing about humanity. It depends on which way holiness is pointing. Is it pointing towards God or is it pointing towards something else? So when we get this Levitical writing and, and yeah, the first yeah, chapter yeah. is about how to sacrifice um the animals of your herd, the That's animals it. of your yeah, flock, yeah. the birds. Um, All this you know, weird and, and stuff. And it sort of like. pretty much repeats the way that it's done. That's it. Um, till it gets to the bit where it says you've got to wring the bird's neck. That's it. Um, then, then when you're doing that and it points to God and you're doing it for the right reasons because it continues to point to God, Yeah. then that's fine. But if you start doing it because... You idolise the worship itself. Yeah, well, it's a bit like... I suppose you could even become a bit bloodthirsty on the way that these things are done. You might be able to, but it's no different to... The reason it's so prescribed and weird, right, is because it's a type of worship we don't do anymore. Yeah. Right? So it's out of context, right? So it's 3,000 years or 2,500 years out of the original context of which this is written. But the principle is, be careful with sanctity, because sanctity can turn sour very, very quickly. So if you go to All Saints with the one down, right, and you go upstairs in the sanctuary up there, in yeah. the vestry, so in, in the, the vestry, vestry yeah. right, you have on the wall the prayers that you have to say. The when vesting you, prayer. Vesting yeah. prayer. So you know all the weird kit that priests wear, right? There's a special prayer to say as you put on the kit. And the reason that that is there is to remind the priest about who they're supposed to be, what priesthood is. So the whole point of vesting up is to tell priests they're not important. Yeah. That's the whole point of it. But what happens is, is where we take away the vesting prayers, which I'll be honest, I don't say all the time, right? You take away part of that ritual, right? And then the whole ritual stops making sense. Yeah. And that's the danger. So that's why in Leviticus it's really, really, really prescriptive and exacting and weird because they wanted to make sure that their worship wasn't corrupted by, you know, the weird types of worship that and, were going on. And it's actually a foreshadowing of the sacrifice. Yeah, it is, yeah. Um, because when we look at what happened to Jesus in his final hours before he was crucified, the the... The, the without blemish stuff all comes back up. It's all the rituals are pointing towards Jesus' sacrifice, which is why all those rituals are now defunct. Yeah. So all the rituals in the Book of Leviticus are now irrelevant 
because they were pointing to Jesus' crucifixion, which has already happened. Yeah. So it's it's kind of like an interesting historical thing, but at the same time, all these rules are interesting historical things, but also as well, they're, they're there to help us not to end up in a real mess through worship, really, because they're all about worship, aren't they? Yeah. That's the thing, and all about the danger of sanctity. Because would you agree that there would be a danger in being a gashead, right, Bristol Rovers fan? Because then if you've seen somebody, if you were a, a gashead extremist, right, and you saw a Bristol City fan, there might be some people who would be so concerned about purity is if they saw a Bristol City fan in the wrong type of Bristol, they would beat them up. Because this is a sacred place for Bristol Rovers fans, therefore these people aren't welcome here. Is that po- I'm not saying it happens. I don't think it happens, but that could be a consequence. Oh, if you didn't of- think it happens, you'd be being naive. All right, okay, yeah. Um, there are pubs on both sides of the Dividing River um, because these things tend to take their nastiest route in pubs, I think, yeah. to be fair, um, that would dedicate themselves as dedicated to those football teams. So it'd be sacred places. So that, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you wouldn't you wouldn't want to go there if you support. I'm not. I'm not going to be going to the Robins over in Ashton anytime soon wearing a Rover shirt. Um, because you'd be defiling their yeah. sacred place. Yeah, and if I yeah. was ministering over in that part of town, um, I don't think that I'd refer to my football team very often. No, because actually, um, I I'd lose the congregation because I would be um, a wrongen. Yeah, exactly. In their eyes. So that's why these things... But that, it's really weird, isn't it, that we make sports so important in our lives. Well, maybe that's because it's the only religion left. It might be. It's the only spaces that people find these sorts of rituals still around. Yeah, that's true. Because all the other cultural rituals, cultural expressions of who we are being taken away from us because they're seen as wrong. Mm. And, yeah. and I think football's also under attack on that as well. And what, a bit like, um, what happens all the time, I was saying about, say, with the getting rid of the old fashioned, as they see it, stuff in churches and bringing in new things. All that happens is the new things then just become the same as the old things. Yeah. And I think my big thing at the minute is in the sixties, they said it was the age of Aquarius and, uh, we were going to get rid of everything old and replace it with nothing because everything was going to be new and wonderful and we needed to get rid of priests because then everyone could do what they wanted when actually that was just a lie because what it was, the people who said they wanted to get rid of priests wasn't because they were against priests. They wanted to be the priests. Mm. And what we see now is a new purity cult from secularism with a priesthood, with exacting rules, which are designed to dictate and exclude people. Yeah. So it's it's part of humanity, I think. You you can't get round it. The only way to get round it is is what Leviticus was trying to do is get that purity pointing towards God all the time, get it orientated in the right way. Yeah. Because we'll create a purity cult, whatever. But if the purity cult is is um, pointing the wrong way, you know, look at the environmental movement. You're telling me that's not religious? 
Wow. Are, are you telling me that's not steeped in ritual and uh, all those sorts of other things? I couldn't possibly say that it's not because there's so much evidence that it is. Exactly. Um, it's a purity cult. It's an apocalyptic purity cult. A lot of it. Not saying that environmentalism is like that, but there are strands within it that basically is that, that sort of expression. Yeah. Doesn't Do take away I mean? any of the uh, No no it doesn't the, take away the, any the, of the motive of it because no, no, no. actually um if we do if we if we care for the environment because um scripturally we're told that we're stewards of it, um then that's great. Yeah. And I think as well what it shows actually is that if somebody is deeply concerned about something in their life, their response to it will naturally be ritualistic. And in community. And in community, because that's how we're made as humanity except sometimes in the church and outside of the church just get gets misdirected yeah does that and i think that's really what holiness is is to create a uh, a sacred space which is pointing towards god and a sacred community that's pointing towards god and that's why leviticus is so weird because the rules in it are really strange because they're irrelevant now because they're to do with something that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. I mean, what's really interesting is that that even when we just start at the first chapter, it's all about the rules and Aaron and his sons and the priests. It's talking about people at the time. Yeah. Um, It's a manual. That's not to say there aren't lessons to be learned from what was said to them, but but it's not, you know. What we've got to do, in a sense, is take the principles behind the rules like I've just outlined yeah. and take them as important not the rules Absolutely. themselves Yeah. so it's a bit like if you had a rule about I don't know how fast you drive your cart there'd be a principle behind that about you know you don't want to kill people by driving your cart too fast Yeah. But so then you apply that to cars so you just need to kind of contextualise what the underlying moral of those those rules are yeah into today's society, if that makes sense, which is a difficult thing to do because it's actually really difficult to work out what what they're on about. Like kosher is all about hygiene, isn't it? Yeah. Don't eat don't eat shellfish if you live in the desert. Bad idea because you're gonna get you're gonna die. Yeah. Because you'll be do you know what I mean? So yeah, absolutely, that sort yeah. of stuff. It's all practical. Um should we finish with talking about what abominations are? Uh huh. Bristol City mugs. Bristol um, City mugs. Uh, things. What, what does the word abomination mean? Bristol City mug. It means things that are the are the are the opposite to sacred. Yeah. Oh no, the opposite to holy. Yeah, opposite to holy. The opposite yeah. to holy because we can still make them sacred, but for the wrong intention. Yeah. Um. But yeah, they're the things that are drawing us away from our focus on being pure and and seeking to um, be without blemish, I suppose, if we take the Levitical language. But it's more than that. Abomination is where you deliberately corrupt the worship of God. Yeah. And that's the key thing. Yeah, but that is what is the opposite to holiness. It's the deliberate corruption. No. No, it's it's specifically to do with stuff you do in a... Yeah, and it's stuff you do in a sacred space. So an abomination in a Christian context would be uh, the difference between 
the difference between Robin, you know, the difference between having a fight in the shopping centre and having a fight in church. So if I picked up a brick from the shopping centre and hit someone over the head with it, that's bad, right? Yeah? That's yeah well, fight. I would say so, yeah. Right, yeah. Pretty bad. But really bad. there's a difference if I picked up a statue of uh, Mary in St Mary's and hit someone over the head with that. Yeah. Because then there's an added element of that's the difference between evil and abomination, in a sense. And if I did that in, in the middle of a church service, that would be an abomination. Well, what I would do in the shopping centre, if I hit someone with a brick, that would be evil, but it'd be a different type of thing. I'm not saying what one is more evil than another, but the language of abomination is to do with what you do in a church service in church. Does that make sense? And well, using... I think it can exist outside of that context. The only trouble is that we could be here for several hours today. Possibly, um, but I think I think that's what the Hebrew word means is is about liturgy, about church, that or about what we understand as church. Yeah. Which is why you call the Bristol City Mug an abomination. Yeah. And why other people would say and why that guy from Harvard said this is a sacred place. Yeah, but see having a prank in you is not acceptable because it's sacred. Most people in my situation would have um would have smashed it. Maybe, yeah. Maybe you're just a good boy like you. Yeah. So I'll finish this uh, little bombshell, I suppose, is when we see those bits from the Bible where it says about men and men and it's an abomination, I think what they're talking about isn't a general thing about men together. What they're actually talking about is a specific instance where in the uh, ancient temples around the Jewish society, they would have men uh, sleeping with men as part of their temple worship. So they would have mass orgies as well, part of their Well, that's an abomination. Temple. Exactly. And what they were saying, a bit like some of the stuff that Paul is talking about in his letters as well, is that sort of stuff is going on in these other temples and we don't want it in our temple. Yeah. And I think that's what we have to understand is what the Bible is really saying, not what we want it to say. Yeah. So that's what those verses are on about, is about this sort of thing is going on in those temples. We don't want it in our temple, because that, and that's why he uses that particular word of abomination. That's the... Yeah. That's the thing. That's fascinating. Well... I feel enlightened. Do you? There yeah. we go. There we are. So I've annoyed you over the Holy Spirit... Ancient history. There you go. Nice one. All right. So in a bit, we'll be talking about the telly. Joe, I totally forgot what we were on. We were watching telly. that Boris, that party thing. Oh, party not gig. that. It's just... But it was your <laughs> blooming suggestion. <laughs> oh, it was. No. Anyway, we'll talk about it in a minute. You're listening to those Vicar Blokes. Your next section is a bit shorter and a bit more friendly. So you might. If you if you're struggling this week, um, don't worry, it gets better. It does, yeah. Um, so don't forget to click subscribe, get the latest information from us, follow us on Substack to see where the comments are, um, and yeah, enjoy and tell your friends. Right. So we didn't plan this. It's been a bit of a nightmare this week because we didn't plan any of this, and. 
now we've got three controversial things. You made us watch a dreadful programme that you thought would be up my street. I did. Yeah, well, I did see it. And it's not. Isn't it? Well, there was a programme called, what was it called now? Partygate. We got three controversial issues. Yeah, Partygate. And I I seen it and I thought, that's just Dave is that programme, isn't it? It's just Dave all over. So, Dave... But you you were wrong, really. I was, yeah. So, what's your take on... Partygate is a Channel 4 dramatisation of the parties in number 10, isn't it? Okay, so um, last week we talked about exaggeration um, in the sense that the people uh, go and annihilate the people. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think what we get in Partygate is uh, a view at the culture that um, number 10 thought they were above the law. They manipulated the they manipulated the letter of the law to make it not apply to them and there was an element in number 10 that didn't stick to that my difficulty with the program is that it puts everybody in number 10 in exactly that same scenario and i cannot believe that there was nobody who actually just went home when the pirates began I can't believe that they were as bad as they are portrayed on that TV programme. Yeah. I think it must be an exaggeration. I, I think I think it was it was um a fantastic piece of propaganda. Because it was very emotive. But it's like everything that it is effective in getting a message across. There's an element of truth in it. Yeah. And yeah, it yeah, and yeah. it is supported by the Sue Gray report. Mm. But but not in the not in the magnitude that it was portrayed. No, I think it was I think it was very very good propaganda, in the sense of effective propaganda. I think it was made by a certain group of people for a certain group of people, and it was the the story behind it, as far as I could tell, was lockdown was a good thing. We should have locked down straight away, but because Boris and the rest of them were bad and evil and didn't care about people, they didn't. Then they didn't care about people because they had parties. Lockdown was good, and people outside of number 10 were good because they kept the lockdown. People in number 10  didn't. Yeah. They were bad. Which was. Which they was, are bad. These people are good. You which was good, reinforced by the. By the people's testimonies falling in in amongst the filming, yeah. So so it wasn't just it wasn't factual. No, it was emotive. It was. So they had um, the one thing that annoyed me because my wife did say to me, she "says don't watch it, I'll just upset it." I said, "All right, yeah." And and she was right a bit, really, because the bit that got me was they interspersed the parties with footage from that. Uh, there was CCTV footage from a crematorium in uh, yeah. Milton Keynes, isn't it? Where they had oh, I didn't woman, know where it was. Yeah, this woman yeah. sitting on her own, who was obviously her husband had died, I think. Yeah, and then two people moved their chairs in. And then they t- told her to move back. Yeah, the fact they just travelled there in the same car is irrelevant. Well, exactly. Just, <laughs> the whole thing was nuts, right? The whole thing was nuts, wasn't it? I, I used to say with lockdown, it was the, the magic of sitting down. But it was the like fear, that. though, wasn't it? And I mean... Okay, so the natural reaction at that scenario is that 
that that person is consoled. Nothing tugged on the heartstrings more than seeing the Queen sat on her own at yeah, Rosemary's funeral. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, and, and the idea that there's no no consoling of those that are in their time of need, it feels fundamentally wrong. Well, it is. Um, but the, the guy who came and said, no, no, you need to separate your chairs, yeah. is driven by fear. Well, he's driven fear by... that if he doesn't stick to the rules, he's going to get a fine. I he's going to be in him. trouble. I don't blame him. No, I don't blame no, him at all. No, no. I, I, I don't. I think I don't blame. In a sense, I would like to see an amnesty for everything, for that. In a sense, because I think that everybody, I think ninety percent of people, just tried to do what they could at the time, and I think that people did things that they, like that bloke saying, "You can't do that." He's not a bad lad. He's trying to do his best in an impossible yeah. situation. Do you know what I mean? And I bet you it hurt him as much to, you know, it's a horrible thing to do. But I think for the program, it was almost as if we could separate the world into the goodies yeah. and the baddies. And we are the goodies and they are the baddies. And I think that that really got me, I think, because it was, again, inviting this purity cult of we are the pure people we are the good people yeah and i think that if you want to see a full-on purity cult you could see you know covid where it was all ritualistic all this sort of stuff all the time tapping into these human fears yeah and human things and um you know it was just i think the the story they've been projected in that program was so simplistic and they were just trying to hijack how we feel about it to further their own agenda. Yeah. And I think, do you agree with that? I don't know. Uh, well, I yeah. do. Yeah, I do. I think it was too politically slanted. It was too emotive. Um, either it was a factual program or it was a, or it was a, a drama based on loose, true events. And I think it was, it, it didn't get that balance right for me at all. No, it, it didn't declare what it was. No, 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 and and I I really didn't like. It presented itself as factual, even if in the tiny print at the start of the end it said, "Oh, it's not." You know, this is this is not factual. You know, it and, still and, presented itself as that. And I think if you can end up getting a bloke from Aberdeer to take the side, not take the side, but to feel that Tories <laughs> being unfairly treated. You must have gone too far. Because what? my natural bias is to do you see what I mean? Yep. My natural bias is not to is to is to believe the worst of them, if you see what I mean. Well, I think and I don't think that's and I th- I think, I think what way it, over the top. What what it's done, I think, is to make the argument too personal. Yeah. When we talk politics, we should be talking policies, not not personal. We can disagree with the policies of a of a party, um, but that doesn't mean that we have to to hate everything that that part is about. And I think that was a cultural thing that that's been ongoing for oh yeah you know, centuries. Always, yeah. You know, it's not a new thing, but actually that's not a healthy way to to to, to go on. I think you're spot on there. I think I think you're spot on. I think the problem was with it is it was all about persons. About hating the right people, yeah, rather than about the policies, and I think the assumption of the policies was the lockdown was the right policy, and they didn't follow. I it. still feel most sorry in that whole documentary though for Allegra Stratton. 
Yeah. Because I still think she's the person who essentially paid the highest price. Possibly. I mean, maybe Boris has paid the highest price. Well, but, yeah. But, you know, she's, she's, as far as I can tell, pretty much an innocent victim in a, in, in the first of the acts of propaganda. And, and she was the lamb to the slaughter, as far I, as I can I, see. I, the thing that really got me with it, really, and has got me all along with it, is the lack of mercy and the vitriol of the media towards people they don't agree with. Yeah. And I think that the the thing that got me all the way along was um, with these parties or what have you, is Sky News went berserk about it, and half of their employees were doing it. Yeah. And I think this is the thing, is what we need in response to COVID, more than anything else, I think, is is mercy. And then we start our very first episodes about that. When yeah. Mercy to Matt Hancock. Can we show yeah. mercy to Matt Hancock? And I think that they're just, this sort of propaganda deserves to, to is dangerous. Yeah. Because it's not good if you're invited to hate anyone, even if they're Tories. You no. know? No, that's the thing. Or if they support Bristol City. Or if they build Bristol Cities. So, yeah, because purity is dangerous as well as good. So, uh, here we go. Bit long today, but we, we've had a go. And uh, we'll next time we'll be talking about something a bit lighter, I hope. Yeah, I hope yeah, so. Yeah, I hope so. We'll, we'll, we'll have a go. Uh, of course, um, we need to be watching Big Brother, don't we? Oh, I knew you'd ask for that. I, I said, it came on the adverts, Big Brother's back. And I thought, and and my missus said, who's watching this? And I went, Dave. Yeah, absolutely. Dave. It's good again. It's oh, like the early series. It's good again yeah. so far. All right. So I'll have to watch an episode, an episode of Big Brother. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, then pick the first eviction show. I'll let you know when it is. Right. You, you. Yeah. Because yeah. right, yeah. that'll be good. Because then we'll get the interview with them and we'll find out what they're all about. I'll look forward to that with bated breath. Okay, yeah. fine. Brilliant. So I'll see you next time on those Vicar Blokes. Mm-hmm.